Welcome to episode 138 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends. Let's talk a little bit about a thing called enzymes. Enzymes are the workhorses of digestion. They break down your food into usable macro and micronutrients. And research shows that by the time someone hits 65, their saliva and pancreatic secretions, both of which are involved in enzymatic activity, can have declined by as much as 50%. This decline can create chronic indigestion, setting the stage for gut issues, yeast and mold overgrowth, and even malnutrition. That's why I am a huge fan of enzyme supplementation, both with your food for the digestive effects, as well as during fasting for the proteolytic effects, kind of like serapeptase, which you guys know we are big fans of. One of the best enzyme blends I've ever found comes from my friends at Bioptimizers. You might be familiar with them. We've had Wade and Matt on the podcast, and those episodes have been very popular. Their enzyme blend is called Masszymes. It's the most complete, most potent digestive enzyme out there with over 102% more protease than the nearest competitor. Protease, by the way, is an enzyme responsible for breaking down protein. It's also got 300 to 500% more per serving than most popular brands. This is crucial because protein is the most complex macronutrient to break down. When it's undigested, protein can actually putrefy in the gut and create a variety of problems, from bloating to inflammation and beyond. MassScience also contains 13 additional enzymes, including lipase for fat digestion, which works at every pH level from 2 to 12. In other words, every stage of digestion. All of this makes MassScience an ideal complement to any healthy meal plan, and especially if you're having hearty meals in your intermittent fasting window. It can also have significant improvements when taken in a fasted state. You can also try it today, completely risk-free. Their 365-day full money-back guarantee is the gold standard in the industry. Just go to masszymes.com slash ifpodcast and enter the code ifpodcast10 to receive 10% discount off of your order. If you'd like more on the science of enzymes, you should definitely check out the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast interview with Matt Gallant and Wade Lightheart. We dive deep into the science of enzymes. Again, that's masszymes.com slash ifpodcast with a coupon code IFPODCAST10. This deal is for a limited time and only while quantities last. All right, now enjoy the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 138 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. I feel like I haven't talked to you in like a month, Jen. If I don't talk to you like every week, it's like, I feel like it's been a long time. Well, it has because we had two special episodes with the Bioptimizers 
guys. So then, yeah, it's been a while. So how are things? They are good. We did get our house sold. I'm sure everybody figured that out by now. We did. We got the house sold and whew, it was stressful. You know, I was heading out to Portland. We were supposed to close Monday. That got delayed because of the the interesting changes we had to last minute do. We had to tear down a greenhouse that was on the property that had been there for, I mean, decades. I mean, it was a structure and that was you know, quote, deemed unsafe. The buyers wanted it. <laughs> we wanted to leave it. But for the VA loan, we had to had to have it removed. And finding someone who could do that quickly was, we were just so fortunate. We had a great realtor who was able to make that happen, hooked us up with a great contractor. So I was going out of town Thursday to go to Portland for a special, we had a book signing event. It was so much fun. Shout out to all the wonderful people in Portland that I got to interact with while I was there. By the way, I love Portland. But I was supposed to fly out at like four o'clock that afternoon and we got word the closing was that morning. I mean, I had already had power of attorney set up so my husband could sign if it happened while I was out of town, but we got to close before I got on the airplane. And so it was like, (sighs) (laughs) the freedom of knowing the house was sold before I flew away. That's insane. How was the, um, the book signing? It was wonderful. It it was actually more than just a book signing. One of my friends, Lori Lewis, she's a moderator in the group. She actually does intermittent fasting coaching as well, but she's one of my moderators and she's a good friend that I've met through, through intermittent fasting. She hosted us and she had it set up with me and with Kim Smith, who people who listen to the intermittent fasting stories podcast. She was episode one and she's written a couple of books herself. So we were guest speakers and she asked us questions and then we got to meet people. It was really a great event. And people are like, please, can you come to my town? You know, <laughs> And I would love to come to all the towns, but we're paying for ourselves to travel. So <laughs> it was not a profitable trip. It was a really some friends getting together, having some fun. And while we were there, we had a book event. So that was really nice. But I fell in love with Portland. I mean, it is just beautiful. Have you traveled there? I have not. See, I, I've not been a big traveler. You know, I've been in the Southeast my whole life where I've lived. And I've gone to the West Coast a couple times. And, well, Portland is just great. We went to the, um, how do you say it, Willamette Valley? I think I just said it wrong. Where they make all the, the pinos. I was going to say I should know that because of the wine. But I think that's right. It's one of those words you see written and you say it in your head and you don't hear anyone say it. But we went to a few wineries while I was there. It was fabulous. Awesome. Awesome. Whenever I hear the word greenhouse, I get hit with images of murder. And I don't know why. Was it in some like, is it like a Nancy Drew story? Maybe. This was not a murder greenhouse. I don't think they had murders on Nancy Drew. It was more like someone stole their clock. Wait, this is going to be an epiphany. Did they not have murders in Nancy Drew? I'm pretty sure they didn't have murders on Nancy Drew. It was like someone misplaced a painting or I don't think they had murders. Whoa, wait, this will be like a huge epiphany moment. I want to Google it really quick. Nancy Drew murders. Was it always just people disappearing and stuff? It was always very benign. <laughs> like the mystery at the Lilac Inn or something. I mean, like... <laughs> wasn't anything big. No one was dead. No one was. (laughs) Maybe some bad people like got them for a while, but they always got away. They were never hurt. (laughs) That's so funny. I never really thought about that. I don't know why I have that association with greenhouse though. It it must've been, there's not a greenhouse in the board game Clue, right? 
there's some association in my head. This is going to really bother me. Oh, well. Well, anyway, our greenhouse did look like maybe someone had been murdered in it, but they had not. (laughs) It was just old. It was an old greenhouse and it had yellow jasmine all over it. And so that was the the thing they said, the the vines were, quote, dangerous. I don't know why. Like it was going to make the whole structure crash down. But really, I think the, the vines were holding it together, honestly. But, you know, imagine a decades old greenhouse that had these beautiful vines on it. And every spring they would bloom and they were yellow. And it was like the most picturesque, gorgeous corner of our yard. Like it was my favorite thing. Like it was my cover photo for years because I loved it so much. It just looked shabby chic. And okay, it probably wasn't the best structure in the world, but no one was going to be living there. It's where you keep your yard tools. So it was really sad for all of us to have to tear it down. But we did. We had to. And we tore it down. And oh, well. (laughs) It is what it is. Vines is also doing it for me. The dark association. I feel like it must have been just some story I read when I was little. I read so many books. Oh, me too. So what's up with you? Anything new? Well, I recorded with Seamland of the Body, Mind, Empowerment podcast, and who also wrote that metabolic autophagy book that I keep talking about on the podcast. And it was a fantastic interview and we lost it. (laughs) You did lose the whole thing? Uh Uh-huh. Oh my gosh. So we're recording again. I've often worried about that. You know, we're recording remotely. People don't know. They think we're in the same room together. So we're not. We're in different cities when we record. We've been on different sides of the country, different time zones. Yeah, he was in Estonia. Yeah. And so I've recorded with people from on my other podcast, people from India, Egypt, Australia, New Zealand, you know, people from all over Africa. But we're recording remotely and recording on this platform that we're counting on not losing our recordings. <laughs> so I'm sorry that happened. Oh, so, but I'm super grateful that he's open to recording again. I feel so bad, but uh, he's a great person. So I'm trying to decide when we record, if I'm going to pretend like this never happened or if like, cause it's like, do you ask the same question? What We're just going to go with it. We're just going to go with it. It was a dress rehearsal. Well, that's what I often wonder, you know, like, could you recreate it or would it sound like you're trying to recreate something and never quite as good? That, that's what I've always worried about. Like if I lost the recording with, with a guest and it's been fabulous because it always is, then you had to do it again. Yeah. <sighs> well, I'm sorry that happened. That's my biggest fear. Yeah. Well, I, thankfully, because I, I learned, I think, why it happened. So thankfully it happened with somebody who is so open to recording again. And now I can be in the future, very, very clear up front with the technicalities of why I think it happened. Like for instance, I'm recording finally with David Sinclair on Monday. So I'm going to be like, (laughs) make sure all the boxes are checked. Anyways, shall we jump into everything for today? Yes, let's get started. All right. So to start things off, we have an email, some listener feedback from Diane. And she says, good morning. Nice to see you promoting ButcherBox. I loved it. We had stopped eating meat for a long time until I found ButcherBox. I completely agree with you on the taste of all the meat. Oh, Jen, did you get your your ButcherBox box? I did. Oh my gosh, it's fabulous. Was it delicious? Well, I haven't had time to eat it yet because I just got it. But yes, it's just fabulous quality. I can tell by looking looking at the meat, but I, I stashed it away and I'm really excited to use it. It's delicious. I can't wait for you to try it, Jen. They have a, that amazing special for our podcast where people get six free steaks. 
And I hadn't tried all of their steak cuts. And so I asked if I could try some of the ones that are in that sampler. And I thought they would just send me that, but they sent me like a whole, like the whole shebang. And I was like, I don't have room in my freezer for this. So now I need to get like, I want to get like a chest freezer or something. Really? That's, that's a good idea because my freezer is full of bona fide (laughs) and now, and butcher box now. So that's, that's great. Yeah. I feel like it's a telling sign that you're into fresh whole foods when you're your freezer and your refrigerator are stocked full and your pantry is completely empty. That's my, that's my kitchen situation. Yeah. I really think I should get a chest freezer because I don't know if I can fit anything else in my freezer at this moment. (laughs) Yeah. The struggle is real. Luckily I have a little wine fridge and that's really helpful. The house has a built-in wine fridge right now. It's got a lot of wine in it, but also I keep my San Pellegrino in there. (laughs) It's great. It's really great. I see why people like those. <laughs> but I will put a link to that amazing deal they're having in the show notes, assuming it's still running because it's so amazing. They might, I mean, it might run out by now. They're basically offering six free steaks in their first order plus $20 off, which is ridiculous. So that's butcherbox.com slash iPodcast. Anyways, back to the email. Diane says, also, I love you and Jen. I listen to Jen's books and your podcast. I have dropped 10 pounds, needed to just do that. The middle-aged pounds were slipping on and it needed to stop. I'm 56. I work out every day, have a farm with horses, so it's not like I'm sitting around. I have a love-hate relationship with you guys. Both of you have given me the tools to lose weight and it is so easy. There is no complaining that I just can't lose the weight. I now have the tools in my toolbox and it's my own fault if I choose not to use them. The best outcome from IF is that I didn't realize how much food I was putting into my mouth all day or how much wine I was drinking. Now I look at the clock, one hour more, and it's time to eat before I know it. I do sometimes look at the horses in the last hour and think, I'm going to eat you now. Oh my. (laughs) She says, just wanted to drop you a line. Then she has ha, 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 ha. So that's a joke. She's not eating the horses. She does. I just felt awkward saying ha, ha. (laughs) She says, just wanted to drop you a line. Have a wonderful holiday season. Not sure how I will do with IF, but we'll try as hard as I can. My toolbox might get lost in the garage for December. Have a great day, Diane. I will say, I think um, having IF during the holidays is actually one of the best tools in the toolbox, personally. Oh, yeah. Some Somebody today in one of my Facebook groups made a post and she said, I've been off track and this is the hardest time of the year to get started. And I was like, actually, no, this is the best time of the year to get started. I actually told her that because... You know, you don't want to wait till after the holidays when you've just, you know, eaten and indulged for two solid months nonstop, day in, day out. No, use intermittent fasting and indulge in your window. Maybe you're not going to lose weight over the holidays. That's okay. You'll probably not gain the weight that most people gain. And that right there is a tool to be proud of. Yeah, it's great because it lets you actually indulge in the holidays not that we should have fears surrounding weight gain and things like that, but without, you know, the fear of the weight gain and the craziness. Or like I've ruined it, you know, because the holidays are about enjoying the time with your family and your friends. And we're supposed to be able to, you know, eat, drink and be merry. If it wasn't something we were supposed to do, we wouldn't enjoy it so much, but we just don't want to do it 24 seven. So you know, that's why intermittent fasting is so powerful for the holidays. I actually have a friend that comes to our Saturday morning coffee get together that we have each week here in Augusta. And she started intermittent fasting on Christmas day last year. That was her first day. 
Christmas Day. So I use her as an example. If you can start on Christmas Day, then (laughs) there is no need for someone to worry about starting on any random day if someone could start on Christmas Day. And she's been doing it ever since. Yeah, definitely. It doesn't have to be an occasion. You know, like it doesn't have to be a thing. Like I'm going to start on Monday. No, start right now. Although some people do like the idea of, sometimes it's like a mental thing. They like the idea of starting afresh on. Well, for me though, whenever I did that, I would always like overcompensate leading up to it and ended up being like terrible. Like I would be like, oh, I'm going to really pig out this weekend because I'm starting on Monday. And then I would go nuts. That was just that whole starting on Monday. And then I was worse off on Monday than if I'd have just started. I also, did you do the HCG diet? I can't remember. You didn't, did you? I did the drops in college. Do you remember how you were supposed to have those, quote, load days where you were supposed to overeat for two days before you started? Yes. Yeah. That was crazy. I used to, I was good at those two days. <laughs> now I'm really, really like embarrassed <laughs> looking back, but oh well. It's so funny. Don't do that, y'all. Start today. Yeah, I remember. I remember when I did that way back in college, I was like researching it. And there were people, some people who were saying like, do I have to do the load days? And I was like, what do you mean? Do you have to do the load days? Why would you not do the load days? I know that was the whole diet mentality that I was so trapped in. And now it seems so ridiculous, but I was there though. I was solidly in it. So anybody else who's in it, maybe one day you'll be on the other side of it and realize that that was not a good mindset because I look back on my old self and think, oh, poor self. <laughs> you know, it's so nice to get out of that rat race. Agreed, agreed. All right, shall we go on to the next? We have a question. Oh, this is more feedback. We have more feedback. This is from Peter. Peter says, Hi, gals. Love your podcast. I am a male turning 62 on Friday and have never felt better. As an adult, I have been active at sports, including badminton, tennis, golf, and for the last 15 years, yoga, boot camp, total body fitness, and HIIT training classes. I meditate daily. My weight has always been an issue. No matter how much I exercised, my weight did not go down. I was diagnosed with colon cancer five years ago, had surgery and chemo, and I am now in remission. In June of this year, I stumbled across Cynthia Thurlow's IF TED Talk. Ooh, can I say something about that real quick? I actually met her this week. Have you seen her TED Talk? No. We see it all the time because people are always sharing it. It went viral. People are always sharing it in the Facebook groups. So I knew who she was, but we were both on the same radio show and we recorded it by Skype. And so I I got to meet her. I think I'm going to be on her podcast soon. But anyway, that was exciting. I had a fangirl moment of my own getting to meet her. She's really great. She's a nurse practitioner who did the, the famous TED Talk about intermittent fasting, and now she's just all over the place with it. I think she travels and, and does talks, and she has a podcast of her own. Anyway, I'm a huge fan. So there we go. It's awesome. I feel like it's a really small, small world. Yeah, but yeah, it was, it was great for us to connect because we had not connected before. Awesome, awesome. I'll have to watch that video, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes for listeners. We'll have to see. I, I don't know where it's going to... Oh, you mean her TED Talk. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were talking about the radio show. I think the radio show has happened, but yes. So yeah, put definitely put a link to her TED Talk. Oh, and here's what was so amazing. You know how when you're talking to someone who's an intermittent fasting person and you're just want, worrying what they're going to say, like they might be like, I recommend Diet Coke or I recommend that you have Bulletproof Coffee or you know whatever. She didn't know what I recommended and I didn't know what she recommended. So we were both, we are a hundred percent on the same page with everything clean fast related. Oh, wow. It was amazing. (laughs) 
it really was even like who we think should do intermittent fasting, who we think should not. That was really the best part of it. I'm like, that's what I think too. And she's like, that's what I, th-. you know, it wasn't any kind of adversarial position where she's like, yes, I recommend you start your day with keto coffee. No, she was just like us, black coffee, plain tea, plain water, keep it clean. For all the same reasons, that was what was great. It was just very confirming. All right, so back to Peter's letter. He said, or I guess I should say email. I just dated myself there. (laughs) Back to his email, his electronic mail. He stumbled across our TED Talk, which led me to your podcast, and I have been on the IF bandwagon since then. I clean fast, water and black coffee only, at least 16 hours a day, and have followed your delay, don't deny mantra. So what happened? I have lost 23 pounds. Surgery scar tissue has gone away. My energy level has increased to the point where I no longer need a nap after rising at 6 a.m., playing 18 holes on a very hilly golf course, walking, and going for a 45-minute lake swim. Aches and pains that I experienced after boot camp classes no longer happen. My mental acuity is sharpened when fasting. Joint pain is gone. I have visible obliques for the first time in my life. Wow, knowledge is power. I am much more aware of what I'm eating and avoid processed foods. Do I feast? You bet. No guilt either. Keep up the good work, Peter. And he shares with us that he is from Montreal, Quebec. Well, this was a great, great email to hear from Peter. I just love hearing, especially like not just when it's not just the weight loss, but all of these other things improving, like the aches and pains. And especially when people have been experiencing things in the past or for a certain amount of time and then we just see such radical changes with people. And it's, it's so true. And like you said, that knowledge is power. I could not agree more. What are your thoughts on Peter's email? I loved it. And, you know, there's one thing in there that, that I've heard before, the fact about scar tissue going away, which sounds nonsensical. I mean, you don't even believe that that could happen. And it sounds made up. Like if you wrote down, here are all the things that people have had happen. You're like, that sounds fake. (laughs) But I interviewed someone on intermittent fasting stories who had a C-section scar that like she had had for 30 years or something that had been raised and bumpy. And after fasting for over a year, it was like just barely drawn on. That's incredible. You're like, how could that even be real? But I mean, your body is breaking down tissue that it no longer needs. So that's just proof, you know, that autophagy is a powerful thing. Speaking of, people should definitely check out that podcast when I... That I'm going to re-record with Seamland about autophagy. So we definitely, definitely dive deep into that. All right. So we can get into our listener questions. So the first question, the first question comes from Alfredo and the subject is, can I really eat anything I want? And Alfredo says, Hey there, Melanie and Jim. Hope everything is well. Just started listening to your podcast today and I'm currently going through all the episodes. I really enjoy it. And I love how much I'm learning from the both of you. So I started intermittent fasting about two months ago with the intent of losing weight. I am 37, five foot eight, and started IF at 280 pounds. I began with 16.8 and things went great. Saw actual results and I felt really good and was more alert and focused. Didn't feel any more hunger pains. I really settled into the IF lifestyle pretty well and now I'm at 256 pounds. My weight goal is 180 to 200 pounds. After a while, I realized I could go my entire work shift without eating. So now I'm doing 24. So during the week, I eat pretty good. Grilled chicken, brown rice, and I'll alternate between veggies and baked beans or sweet plantains. But during the weekend, I still stick to my eating window. But I eat pretty much anything I want. 
all the good bad stuff, cheeseburgers, mozzarella sticks, sausage biscuit sandwiches, fried chicken, etc. I get to indulge in everything I want because I heard and read that while you're fasting, you can eat pretty much anything you want during your eating window while still maintaining my weight loss goal, question mark. So that's his question. <laughs> Thanks again. All right. So what are your thoughts, Jen? It's a great question. And it's really a phrase that, that I want to unpack a little bit. You know, can you eat anything you want? You know, there's been no time during my history with intermittent fasting that I ate something I didn't want. <laughs> so at all times, I have eaten what I wanted. There was that one time that one home delivery service sent me fish and that made me cry. If anybody's heard me tell that story before, that, that, that one time I ate something I didn't want. In intermittent fasting, you have the power, the freedom to literally eat whatever you want. But that doesn't mean that we recommend that you eat like a college freshman who's finally out of your mom's house and now you have the freedom to just go crazy because, you know, I know I did that when I went off to college and I'm, you know, going to breakfast and lunch and dinner and late night snacks in the snack hall and having the late night pizzas and the late night grilled cheeses with fries. I mean, that's not going to be overall the healthiest option for your body because your body does need nutrients. So eating whatever you want is one of those phrases Yes, you may choose to eat what you want, but you still need to feed your body in a nutritious way. My mantra is delay, don't deny. And so some people read that, like they'll read the title of my book and they think that that means that you delay and then you never deny yourself anything you want to eat and you just knock yourself out. Well, that's not true. You still have to eat responsibly. Here's an example of that. Let's say, you know, Alfredo, you would like to eat a sausage biscuit sandwich have a sausage biscuit sandwich, but also have some nutritious food that same day. Have one sausage biscuit sandwich, not just, you know, the family-sized, you know, pack of sausage biscuit sandwiches. You know, if you want to eat a cheeseburger, have a cheeseburger. Personally, I've turned into such a food snob that if I want a cheeseburger, I'm not going to go to a drive-through and get a low-quality cheeseburger. Instead, we have this wonderful local restaurant here in Augusta called Farmhouse Burger, and they have grass-fed meat. They have home-baked bread for the rolls. They even have, you know, a, I mean, just so many different options that are that are high quality. The produce is good quality. They hand cut their fries. So, you know, I'm still having a cheeseburger with fries, but it's a very different experience than than you might get at a, at a fast food restaurant. So, you know, am I eating whatever I want? You know, maybe one day the fast food cheeseburger would have been something I liked. And now I turn my nose up at that. Like I said, I'm a food snob now. So I want the best quality cheeseburger I can get with the grass fed meat, the high quality bun and the, the good toppings on there. You know, I, I don't want to sell intermittent fasting as an irresponsible eating plan because it really is not. And delay, don't deny. When you read delay, don't deny, it it does not say knock yourself out. You know, it's not a license to quote pig out. I don't really like that phrase pig out, but everybody, you know, it's an understandable phrase. You still have to be responsible. It's not a license to overeat and it's not a license to just eat, you know, nothing but junk food. So it sounds like you're doing a really good job during the week. You're eating high quality food. And then over the weekend, I would relax and have the food that you want, but just don't go nuts. Does that make sense? Yeah. I have a lot of similar thoughts as well. Well, first of all, can I really eat anything I want? Anybody can really eat anything I want. you want, you know, at any point, anybody can eat anything you want. So 
but from a, can you eat anything you want and lose weight? Well, one thing actually I wanted to focus on before that was Alfredo says he heard and read that while he's fasting, he can eat anything that he wants. And I think that's something that people often do with dietary approaches is they look at what they're reading and hearing compared to what they're experiencing and what real life is showing them. So regardless of what you read about what IF will or will not do or what a food will or will not do, yes, I can give you knowledge and it can give you an idea of what to experiment with and try, but only your body will know and tell you what will or will not happen based on what you will or will not do. So regardless of what you read or heard, it might be you can eat all of these things and maintain your weight, but it might be that if you eat all these things, you won't maintain your weight. So that's why you really have to find what works for you. Like I know we say that all the time, but it's so true because some people will be able to be more quote lax in what they eat or be able to expand into things that might cause other people to more easily gain weight. And, and all of that's okay. It's just because we're so individual and foods affect people differently. There are so many factors involved that it's, I mean, it's not just about the fasting and it's not just about the food. There's so many factors. So what I encourage for you, Alfredo, and for listeners is to reframe and find the foods that you enjoy that work for you and that are sustainable in supporting your health and your intermittent fasting. And then for foods that don't seem to work as well for you, I would save those for like, you know, special occasions or rather than trying to necessarily keep them. And this is something that actually Seam Land talked about in his book a lot was that we can really be quote addicted to anything or we can enjoy, we can enjoy anything. So we might as well find like the food and lifestyle and dietary approaches that support where we want to be as a person. (laughs) So that's a long way of saying experiment, see what works. And I think that idea of you can eat anything you want. And yes, you can eat anything you want, but not everybody can eat quote anything they want and necessarily maintain their weight or continue to lose weight. It's very individual. I do have something. I've I've looked something up because I wanted to share. This is why people have this idea. I'm not going to share the title of the book because this is a a very famous book that was about fasting. I'm not going to share the name of it, but it was not my book. It's a book that came out before mine. (laughs) And this plan, the subtitle is Watch the Pounds Disappear Without Watching What You Eat. And then you look on the back of it, you know, where it describes all how, how it works. And these are the phrases that this book puts on the back cover. Eat whatever you want and drop 20 pounds or more in just six weeks. Eat as much as you want. (laughs) It literally says that. Eat as much as you want. And then it says, eat everything you crave without food restrictions or calorie counting. Now, I actually tried this diet at the time before, this is before I, I made intermittent fasting stick. Actually, I think it came out before 2015. This is just maybe this maybe an updated version of it, because I I feel like it was way before that. Anyway, you're not going to be able to, most of us are not going to be able to eat as much as you want of whatever you want and everything you crave and still see health promoting results. But that is exactly how this diet was sold to us, which is why it's it's frustrating because then people think that that's what intermittent fasting is. And even, you know, like I said, they read the title of Delay, Don't Deny, and think that don't deny means license to overeat, and it doesn't. So 
And I actually say that in the book when you read it. (laughs) Another epiphany I just had, I think possibly if we were living in like a hunter-gatherer type society, then you possibly could eat anything you want just because of the type, you know, because you would only have access to real food that you had to hunt or gather. You know, if you eat as much bison as you have hunted, you're probably going to be fine. But if you eat as much, as many Big Macs as you can. Yeah. And it takes a lot of energy to like gather a lot of berries. But compared to today and the food that we have, you could very easily way surpass your, your body satiety signals, which would be reining you in from, which would be allowing you to um, eat and then feel full and feel like you ate all you wanted. Today, our food kind of hijacks that system. It does because you're not getting the nutrients and our bodies are searching for nutrients, not calories. So, you know, if you go eat that fast food meal that has no, like zero high quality nutrients in it, your body is like, that didn't do it, send something else down. And then you end up overfed and undernourished and you're stuffed and unsatisfied and still wandering around the kitchen looking for something to eat because your body knows you have not fed it nutrients yet. And so that's the whole, you know, path that you go down. So no, Melanie nor I want to sell intermittent fasting as a eat anything you want during your eating window, but you literally can eat anything you want just in a responsible way. Have some ice cream. Don't have a gallon of ice cream. It's a nuanced kind of difference. And you're not going to drop 20 pounds in six weeks, not 20 pounds of fat anyway. (laughs) Hi, friends. We hope you're enjoying the show. We are thrilled to be supported by one of my favorite companies on the planet, and that is Audible. What would I do without Audible? I, I really, honestly, I don't even know. I am obsessed with Audible. I even remember the day that Audible reached out to us about sponsoring the podcast and I just about died because they are just one of my favorite companies ever. Anyways, what is Audible? Audible has the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment, including Audible Originals. Those originals, by the way, are stories created exclusively for audio, including documentaries, exclusive audiobooks, and scripted shows that you can't hear anywhere else. What I love about Audible is it is super amazing and convenient. You can listen anytime, anywhere, on any device. You can also take notes in the app, which I love, and you can access those both in the app and on your computer. You can listen at the gym, while shopping, in the car, while traveling. Really, anytime that you can't read, you can listen. Audible members also get, every single month, the choice of one audiobook, regardless of the price, as well as two Audible originals from a fresh selection. You also get unlimited access to exclusive guided fitness and meditation programs, and you can sign up for free updates from the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and Washington Post. You can exchange any title you don't love at any time, and you keep your library forever. So even if you cancel, don't worry, the books are yours. And right now, Audible has an amazing offer for our listeners. Right now, for a limited time, you can actually get three months of Audible for just $6.95 a month. That is more than half off the regular price, which is crazy. If you visit audible.com slash ifpodcast, that's A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash I-F-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, or text IF Podcast to 500500. 
you'll get, like I said, three months of Audible for just $6.95 a month. And yes, that is more than half off of the regular price. So again, just go to audible.com slash ifpodcast or text ifpodcast to 500-500. In case you're wondering what I'm currently listening to, I'm finally finishing up Joe Dispenza's You Are the Placebo. I've really been taking my time with that one, so it's been taking me a while. And I'm just about to start Dave Asprey's new book, Superhuman, which I am so excited about. Apparently, it's got all the info about longevity and all the things. Anyways, I cannot recommend Audible enough. Definitely check it out. You won't be disappointed. We're also thrilled to be sponsored today by a company that makes epic red light and near-infrared therapy devices. Yep, that's Juve. Red and near-infrared therapy actually works on the mitochondrial level to change how your cells generate energy. And when your cells are properly generating energy, everything works better. That's why red and near-infrared therapy can seem almost too good to be true and that it can magically address so many things. Clinical studies have shown that red and near-infrared therapy can do amazing things like improving skin appearance, reducing fine lines and wrinkles, support muscle recovery, calm inflammation, and especially reduce pain after exercise. It can also help regulate mood and circadian rhythms. I love using the red light in my devices in the morning and evening as it mimics the rising and setting sun. You can also use red and near-infrared therapy for targeted fat burning. Yes, I said it. That's because these wavelengths can actually help make fat cells more porous, so they leak their fatty acids into the bloodstream, which you can then burn off. Especially during these winter months when things get a little cold and dreary, red and near-infrared can really help bring some energy and warmth into your life. One study even found that multiple near-infrared therapy sessions in patients with major depressive disorder significantly reduce their depression ratings. Of course, the specific wavelengths are key. That's why we wholeheartedly love Juve. They provide the exact wavelengths you need to experience all the benefits of red and near-infrared therapy. Rather than going to a gym or some spa for your red or near-infrared therapy, you can make the investment and bring it home. It quickly pays for itself in so many ways. They also have a new financing plan, which makes it even more accessible. And we have a special offer just for our listeners, just go to juve.com slash ifpodcast and use the code ifpodcast to receive a free gift from Juve. Again, that's juve.com slash ifpodcast with the coupon code ifpodcast. All right, now back to the show. All right, shall we go on to the next question? Yes, and this is from Lee. Lee says, hi there. I typically do a prolonged fast each week, usually a 48 or 72 hour fast from Sunday night to either Tuesday or a Wednesday evening. This is typically not hard for me. Hunger is not an issue, but the one thing I miss is a beer or alcoholic drink during the evening. Please understand I'm not an alcoholic, but having a beer is very relaxing. So my question is whether there's any data on the safety of a small amount of alcohol during a prolonged fast. I can easily do without the alcohol, but was just wondering if there's any research on alcohol and fasting. Thanks, and thanks for your podcast. All right, Lee. So thank you for your question. So I want to answer it in two ways. First of all, alcohol while fasting, just in general, and then alcohol on a longer fast. So in general, it's ironic because alcohol is sometimes proposed as actually further stimulating ketone production while in a ketogenic state. Granted, the liver does switch from 
processing fats to create ketones to processing alcohol, but a byproduct of that can actually be ketones. So in a way, you can argue that you can sustain ketosis while drinking alcohol while fasted. That said, you're not going to be burning the body fat. You'll make a switch, basically. So that's just my thoughts on alcohol while fasting. And then in general, for people like following a ketogenic diet, if they want to have alcohol and follow a ketogenic diet, I think people should find what works for them and it's sustainable. And so I have no problem personally. I mean, do what works for you, but I like, if people like having their wine, I think people should, should have their wine. Or I think another, in the alcoholic drink world, especially with like the ketogenic diet, I would advocate like clear liquors or wine. Rob Wolf, he actually, they rebranded their podcast. It used to be called the Paleo Solution Podcast. Now it's called, I think, Healthy Rebellion Radio, but they actually address this actual question on a recent episode. So I'll put a link to that in our Himalaya playlist, Intermittent Fasting Podcast, stuff we like. But back to Lee's question, that all said, if you're doing an extended 72-hour fast, I would be hesitant to have alcohol during that just because of, well, I guess it it depends on why you're doing that fast, but if you're doing it for like the healing benefits and everything, I would try to not, (laughs) if I were you, I know for me, if I were to have alcohol in an extended fast situation, it would make me severely hypoglycemic and I would be starving. That's just me. But some people are fine with it. And I, I know I've seen that. So as far as the research goes on alcohol and fasting, it's basically what I just said, that it, Changes the fuel substrate being used, but it can, in theory, still maintain a ketogenic state, irony aside. Jen, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, it's not fasting. Eating butter, you would still maintain a ketogenic state, and it's not fasting. So if you have alcohol during the fast, you have now ended the fast. So just keep that in mind. You didn't do a 72-hour fast. You had had alcohol in the middle of it. And so you did a fast before and then you fasted afterwards. Just, I mean, it, that's, just, that's just what it is. It's, I wouldn't consider alcohol fasting at all. Especially not beer. I mean, in, any of them. But like when I was talking about the processing of alcohol, that would really apply to something like pure alcohol. So, you know, you might maintain ketosis, but again, like Melanie said, it's not fasting. So I absolutely wouldn't. And here's the thing, you know, why are you doing a 48 to 72 hour fast? First of all, I would like to encourage you to not do a 72 hour fast every week. I think that's too much fasting. And I know that in, in the modern day world where, you know, we've gone from I remember when I was growing up, our town had a 10 miler. I think they still have it, but people would run 10 miles. And that was like excessive back in the 70s, running 10 miles. And now, you know, everybody's running half marathons and marathons and ultra marathons. So we we like to apply that to everything. If if something's good, then more is better. And I think we need to be careful with overdoing the fasting because if, you know, you think, well, if, if a daily eating window is great, then I should do a 72-hour a fast every week. You know, I think a 48-hour fast once a week is probably safer, but with a 48-hour fast, it's just a little longer than than alternate daily fasting. But as you continue and get to, you know, the 72-hour point, that's really a lot more. You're getting so much deeper into the fasted state. I think it it has that exponential effect instead of just, you know, being your total number of hours for the week, it's the effects are exponentially increased. So like a bunch of shorter fast is not equal to one long fast. I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. So if I wanted to do a 72-hour fast, I probably would not recommend doing more than one a month 
for that. Just keep that in mind. So think about your purpose for doing the longer fast. Like I said, when you're doing them, most people do the longer fast for the you know healing. You're trying to detox your body in some way. You're healing. You're trying to get it deeper into the healing benefits of fasting. And alcohol is a toxin for the body. Now, look, I love wine. Melanie loves wine. But and, and I actually think that one of the benefits that comes along with alcohol is because it's, you know, you're giving yourself a little bit of that your body's having to, to toughen up, you know. What's what's the word I'm looking for, Melanie? Hormetic stress. Yeah, hormetic stress. I, it was on the tip of my tongue. I couldn't think of it. That hormetic stress of the alcohol, one reason it's linked to longevity is because it's the way that it works in the body. But if you're purposefully trying to fast longer for healing purposes, I wouldn't pop in a toxin during that period of time. I think it would not promote what you're trying to do. If your only purpose of doing the longer fast is is quicker weight loss, I would also rethink that. You know, just have an eating window and then go about go about your life. Have I also would never recommend that you have alcohol without food. I think that's a slippery slope. You know, my body doesn't respond very well to alcohol without food. And I think it can be dangerous because of how it, you know, gets right into your blood bloodstream. I can't talk about wine without saying my favorite wine company. If you are going to have wine in your eating window, wholeheartedly advocate dry farm wines which they've been tested. They're non-toxic, free of toxins, free of mold, the only wine I will ever drink. So I absolutely adore them. And they make a world of difference drinking wine that doesn't have additives and toxins in them. So if you are having wine in your eating window, definitely check them out. And you can get a bottle for a penny, which is awesome. So that's at dryformwines.com slash podcast. So yes. All right. So the next question comes from Miguel. The subject is losing too much weight. And Miguel says, hello, Melanie and Jen. First of all, thanks for all the effort you put into this podcast. It's really life-saving. I really enjoy listening to you guys. Here's my question. I'm a 29-year-old male, 5'9", and I was always back and forth of my weight, and my highest was 192 pounds. That's when I decided to change my life. I started with low-carb, then I found out about IF and did a slow transition starting with 16.8 and naturally moving to one meal a day. My problem right now is that I'm at 165 pounds, 25 pounds down from my original weight, and I'm still losing. And that happened in 50 days. I'm really happy with my one meal a day. It was a life changer for me, and I don't want to change this window. But I also don't want to lose more weight. I literally stuff myself till I can't eat anymore. I changed my habits, cold turkey, no sugar at all, just water and black coffee. Maybe a little sugar with desserts here and there, but I'm not really into sweets anyway. My window sometimes is 24 or 18.6, most of the time one meal, but sometimes I feel like having something else, and I do. I'm just worried about getting too skinny. I don't like it. I never counted calories. Am I going to stop losing weight at some point? Thanks and regards from Brazil. All right, Jen, what are your thoughts? Miguel, I have to give you some tough love here. If you are losing more weight, then you want to, then you are going to need to figure out a way to have a longer eating window. And that's just, that's just the, you know, the fact of it. If having one meal a day in a four to six hour window is causing you to lose more weight and you can't physically eat anymore in that time period, my recommendation would be to move to two meals a day and possibly an eight hour eating window, have lunch and dinner, see how that goes. Or 
alternate it. One day have two meals, then maybe the next day have one and see if you can find a balance that works for your body. You don't have to do the same exact thing every day, but you are going to need to throw in some days where you have more meals. Otherwise, you're going to possibly lose even some more weight. Eventually, you know, your body will probably stop losing weight, but you don't want that to, you know, to keep happening so that you end up underweight and unhealthy for your size. So that is my advice to you, Miguel. You're going to have to do a little tweaking. And also, how many people listening to this are like wishing they had Miguel's problem? (laughs) So, but I know no matter what problem you're having, it's still a problem. You want to fix it. So what do you say, Melanie? Yeah, I would also encourage Miguel, I don't know what your, you don't mention at all your exercise or your physical activity routine. I think people often want to focus all on just the food and they don't bring into, they don't look at the physical activity side of things. So I would actually, if you don't feel like eating longer or like focusing on the food side, I know it seems crazy to encourage physical activity because he doesn't want to lose more weight, but maybe you could bring in strength building exercises and body composition type things. If that's something that appeals to you or upping that, because that will actually help you put on muscle mass, which would actually support, and maybe that supports a healthier body composition in general, supports health. And that actually might very likely could help you gain weight and maintain a healthier body composition. And you might actually find that you, you would think you'd have to eat more, but you might actually find that just the changes that happen on a genetic level and in your body composition actually might make you more efficient at using fuel, building muscle, I'm just saying that might actually be another thing to try rather than focusing on the food. If you do that, you'd also want to pay, and in general, you want to pay close attention to your protein intake, making sure you're getting ample protein. What are your thoughts on that, Jen? Yeah, I think that's a great idea. You know, build some some lean muscle tissue with the with the working out. Yeah. Especially because he said he used the word skinny, like he, he's worried about getting too skinny. And I think that's what made me think more and more that the body composition side of things might be important, especially... Not to say that you are this, but you know the phrase like skinny fat. People talk about being really skinny, but they're not, they don't really have that that muscle and that body composition that is so supportive of health and longevity and so many things. I just think there should be more more focus on that. It's not necessarily about the scale number or the weight. I also like the idea of lengthening the window compared to just like stuffing yourself. Because I think our body has these mechanisms for a reason. So I personally don't think it's very healthy to like try to overeat, you know, like your body's saying no for a reason. So I think there's better ways around that. Yeah, I agree. You know, my, my son, Cal, that lives in California said, Hey, I'm getting a little skinny. I need to eat a little more. And my husband too, they both were doing 16, eight and realized they needed to have a little wider window because they're both, you know, lean, you know, not scrawny by any means, but they're both, you know, they don't have excess fat. So they've, they've had to, you know, my husband, has done a loose 16-8, but, you know, his window is even longer now some days just because that's what he needs to do. You're still getting health benefits. You know, if, if you're lean, that's a good sign. You know, you're not getting the the signs of insulin resistance, the abdominal fat, you know. You may need to settle in at something just a little different for your body. Yeah. I'm just thinking about the caveat with the lean thing, and I'll stop myself from going on tangent. But, well, now I'm so curious. What's the caveat? Just there was that, I think I talked about, on the, talked about it on the podcast before, that was that, there was that fascinating episode with the drive, Peter Atia, And 
they were analyzing the health of basically like lean people who were insulin sensitive, lean people who were insulin resistant, overweight people who were insulin resistant and overweight people who were insulin sensitive. And on that spectrum, the worst place to be is actually lean and insulin insensitive, which is actually more common than people often realize. I would think though, someone who's like my, my husband and my son who are living, you know, an intermittent fasting lifestyle would probably not be in that situation. Instead, it would be someone like my, my husband's aunt who has always been super lean, but yet early onset Alzheimer's, which they call, you know, type three diabetes because she always would just drink Coke all day long and have candy bars. And so I think that led her to be very, even though she was skinny, I think that she's a good example of that. She was skinny and yet constantly, I'm sure, had high insulin levels all the time, which is linked to Alzheimer's. Well, it was interesting because they did talk about it in the context of fasting as well. And they were saying that it was actually potentially, I know Peter Tio, his thoughts, were they they were kind of talking it out like their thoughts were evolving around it. It was so fascinating. But he was saying how for the lean person who has, for whatever reason, is not insulin sensitive, the potential detrimental effects of fasting, because when they enter the feeding window, their body would not be able to adequately partition the fuel substrates appropriately and not have any sort of body fat buffer to store excess fuel substrates. So you get this really, and it was a while, a while ago that I listened to it, but it can create a very inflammatory condition in the body compared to a overweight person with insulin sensitivity doing a fasting pattern, fasting, and then having a feeding window despite insulin sensitivity or insulin insensitivity, having those fat stores provides a sort of cushion for excess fuel intake in the feeding window after a fast. And so it was a really complicated situation. I mean, it was something I was particularly interested in, interested in it because I am personally very lean and I do feel like I struggle with insulin sensitivity issues. And so I was personally really, really fascinated by it. So it's a really, it's a really complex topic. And I know, yeah, I'll put a link to that episode in the show notes if I can track it down. It was so fascinating. I know that that was like a lot. So rather than me be like, they said this and, you know, trying to synthesize it, just listen to that original interview because they provide a lot of the science and um, things you would want to look for that, you know, if you suspect you might fall into one of these categories, So I'll put it in the Intermittent Fasting Podcast Stuff We Like playlist. Yeah, that's a great idea. So it was, it was so fascinating. I think they were also talking about, they were looking at like different populations as well. I think this was more of a problem in Asian populations, I think. That might be wrong, but it was definitely by by populations it it changed as well. But there's definitely something to the, like the protective fat stores. And that's something else is that some people can be quote overweight and have healthy biomarkers. So it's all, it's all a very complex topic. That's why I think weight is just so complex. And it, I find it less than beneficial to just see everything as like a scale number because it's really not about the scale number at all. We see people who consider themselves to be struggling. And the reason they would say that they're struggling is because they're not at their goal weight or they're not at their goal size. 
And I always think back to that bell curve that we were taught in, you know, in high school of how that natural distribution that everything from pine needle length, you know, if you measure all the pine needles, it'll make that normal curve. You know, shoe size has that normal distribution, you know, weight does too. And so you may be, if you think about that, that bell curve, maybe your weight your ideal for your body is on the, you know, the right side, the higher end, and that is where your body naturally falls, or maybe your weight naturally falls to the left and you're on the, the smaller sides, or maybe you're right in the middle. Your natural weight is right in the average, but it's really, really hard to fight against biology. And so if your body wants to be a certain weight, you know, if, if generations of your family, if you go back you know, all the generations, you know, and everyone in your family all the way back hundreds of years is on the larger size. That's an indication that that's the body style your body is just genetically designed to be. And so you can like really make yourself frustrated trying to have a different body type. I can remember a conversation I had with my husband one time and this is probably back in the nineties. And I was like, I want to look like that and wear that outfit. He's like, you'll never look like that. And I was like, at first I was like offended. (laughs) I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, that's not, that's not the way your body is made. You know, I'm not, I don't have the, the runway model long legs. I have short little legs. That's the kind of legs I've got. I can wear petite, but I actually, you know, we were trying on, I tried on some bracelets today, Melanie. This is a funny story. Yeah. We were doing some like Christmas shopping for me where I was like, this is what I like. This is what I want. So we were trying on bracelets at a jewelry store and I tried one on. I'm like, this one's perfect. And they looked it up. They're like, oh, this is from the children's section. It was in the wrong department. Oh, wow. So my wrists are tiny and the bracelet that fit me was from the children's section. So, you know, is it surprising that my body has settled into a smaller weight? No, I literally am small boned. (laughs) Literally, I have small bones. And so... Not everybody is meant to be the same size and your body won't even get there. And so you could beat yourself up with the whole idea of this is what I want to be. This is what I need to be. This is what I think I should be. But you'll never get there and you'll just keep feeling like a failure because that's not what your body is going to do. I mean, maybe if you like were in a total starvation situation and, you know, a famine, your body would, but, but it wouldn't be healthy. It would not be good for you. So you may be at what your body feels like is a very healthy weight, and it may be on the overweight spectrum still. And it's really, really hard to fight against that biology, no matter how much you want to or how much we're told that we should be able to control that. I can't control the size of my bones, no matter how hard I try. It's just that's what what I've got. Anyway, that's my my tangent for the day. It's so true. I could not agree more. (laughs) but it is true. (laughs) All right. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. So a few things for listeners before we go, show notes for today's episode will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 138. If you'd like to submit your own questions for the podcast, you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. We are a Himalaya partnered show. And if you follow us in the Himalaya app, you can get early access to our podcast 24 hours in advance. So definitely do that. You can also follow us on Instagram. We are IF Podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter. We are the IF Pod. All right. Anything from you, Jen, before we go? Nope. I think that's it. Another great episode. This is true. Well, I will talk to you next week. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember that everything discussed on the show is not medical advice. We're not doctors. You can also check out our other podcasts, Intermittent Fasting Stories and the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. The music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.